Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are taking a hit this morning following another night of selling on Wall Street. The Nikkei in Tokyo is currently down more than 2%. Sydney is trading down more than 1%. Seoul is in the red as well. Joining me now as we break down all the market action this early Friday morning. How are you doing, Ryan Huang? Yeah, Michelle, lots of selling overnight. So a bit of deja vu because this was what happened yesterday as well. Yesterday, today, it's all one big giant blur, but the worry factor seems to be going up, at least for uh, people over in Peloton. The COVID-19 pandemic certainly not over, and we need only look at case numbers and social distancing restrictions to be reminded of that. But for two companies that have been stay-at-home stock market darlings, the pandemic may well be ancient history because their pandemic-fueled gains have evaporated. I'm talking about Netflix and the high-tech exercise company company, the bike everyone once wanted, Peloton. The reasons may be different, but both stocks came under heavy pressure overnight, heavy selling pressure, I should say. Let's start with Peloton. Shares of the bike maker plunged nearly 25% overnight, and that drop wiped out some $2.5 billion US dollars of market cap. So Ryan, what prompted the fall? Yeah, so let's dive into Peloton, and they took a deep dive in their share price because they have a bit of a cloudier outlook and all around how they've been uh, pointing to some signs of people just staying away from the products because no one really wants to stay at home these days. Hmm. And you've got them now temporarily halting production of their connected fitness products as consumer demand starts to slow down. So the company is now focusing on controlling costs. And these are from internal documents obtained by CNBC. So it's pretty much what we saw coming. People just heading back to actual gyms, going back out to the real world, going back to the office. So you can expect this um, to be a headwind in the coming quarters. So what do you think of Peloton's move then to halt production of its bikes and treadmill, clearly trying to control costs? Is this a sign that consumers are spending a lot more time away from home and they're recognizing that? Or is the market for their products simply saturated? You could argue that because do you really need a connected bike uh, because you just want to get your run done, right? And if you think about it, it's not the only provider of such services. So you can connect your watch, you connect your other devices to just count your calories or count your steps or your workout. So in a way, it can be considered saturated when you think about how many other players are already trying to get a piece of the health pie because you've got Apple in the game and now Peloton with its premium pricing may start to see a lot of pressure to bring down its prices to compete because the the market is just not growing as fast as they need it. Peloton shares are now trading at around 24 US dollars a share. That is below the stock's IPO price. A little over two years ago, Peloton shares debuted at 29 US dollars, some 17% higher than where they are now. Let's turn to Netflix. Its shares are down nearly 20% in after-hours trade. This follows the results of uh, Netflix's fourth quarter results and projections for the current quarter. I imagine the numbers have to be pretty bad to trigger a sell-off this big. So what stands out here? Yeah, let's start with the numbers first. So earnings per share at $1.33. 
That actually beat expectations of 82 cents. If you look at revenue, pretty much right on the dot, $7.71 billion as expected. Uh, looking at global paid net subscriber additions, mm-hmm. that was better than expected as well. $8.28 million, better than the forecast, $8.19 million. So where it starts to fall apart is its forecast. And this is with subscriber growth numbers that it expects in the coming quarter. And this is with the um, forecast of 2.5 million and that is below its forecast of 3 point or below the previous quarter of 3.98. So that is what it's expecting for the first quarter of 2022. A bit of a moderation when you consider how as well people are spending less time at home watching Netflix or watching other things as well. So a lot of different factors just weighing on Netflix's outlook and growth potential. So Netflix added more than 8 million new subscribers in the fourth quarter. It is projecting 2.5 million new subscribers this quarter. Ryan, is this slowing growth a sign that Netflix is losing serious ground in the streaming media wars? Yeah, that's a good question because for a long time, Netflix has been trying to bet away the suggestion that it is competing or it is worried about competition. So this is now starting to creep into its commentary, its language. And this is of a line where it says, um, added competition may be affecting their marginal growth. And if you take this into context with what they've been saying from the past few years, they've been saying, you know, their biggest competitor has been sleep, where people <laughs> are just, you know, trying to sleep more and watch less. So they've been actually successful in making people sleep less and watch more Netflix. And things like TikTok, content providers like YouTube are actually what they see as their competitors, at least that was before. But now they are saying, you no, know, maybe things like, Disney Plus, Apple TV and what else to come could be competing with the time, the limited time that you and I have to watch TV or just sit down and relax. So that is pretty much the headwinds they have to fight against. And also, as more competition comes about, it's all about pricing as well. Uh, How much they can squeeze out of the existing subscribers, uh, whether they can hike their prices based on the exclusive content they have. So it's going to be a delicate balance. Can they squeeze out more from their existing base or do they have to cut prices to get more market share? Yeah, just last week on that point, Netflix announced it is raising prices in the US and Canada. That price hike could potentially hit their subscriber numbers, I think, if consumers like you and I decide the price is just too much to pay and if there's enough good content out there on other channels. Are you watching less Netflix? I am not watching enough Netflix and I already have Disney Plus and Amazon TV and everything else that I have not watched yet. So it is really a saturated market. I can't imagine yeah, how, well, how if I can ever I'm, finish watching everything on Netflix. I, listen, I'll never not watch Netflix because it does have some great programming. But I'm thinking of cutting back on some of my other subscriptions that I realize I haven't watched at all. Anything Maybe from. if they create a like bike Disney with Netflix and can do more things at the same time. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Let's bring the conversation to Singapore now where special purpose acquisition companies are making headlines. Yesterday, the Vertex Technology Acquisition Corporation made history by becoming Singapore's first SPAC listing. We'll check out how it performed in just a moment, but another SPAC listing is on the market today. It's called Pegasus Asia. It's IPO about seven times oversubscribed. So what do we know about Pegasus Asia and the people behind it? Okay, so this is run by TK Ho Capitals, um, 
that is the European Asset Manager, is their first spec. So what we can expect is a focus on consumer tech, fintech, property tech, health tech, or other industries, mainly in Asia. So this has been quite successful, at least going by the um, money they've raised so far, $23.4 million, oversubscribed by 7.8 times. And we'll see how they fare in action today. They start at 9 a.m. just a couple of minutes ago. Yeah, yesterday on the show, we talked about how SPACs are so yesterday, at least in the US where the SPAC rage is subsiding. And we asked whether Singapore might be late to the game. This morning, there's an opinion piece on Bloomberg entitled, Thanks Wall Street, but we have enough SPACs now. Arguing that blank check, the market itself is oversaturated for blank check companies and that recent deals have performed poorly. How so? Yeah, so if you think about the headlines we've been reading in the past year, you know, specs have been quite the fed and really driving the frenzy for a lot of retail investors. And this helped by all these celebrity names just starting out their own uh, specs and they have their own followings and fan base. So you can expect that to be part of the reason why they are so popular. And if you look at what happened in 2021, blank check companies raised more than $160 billion in the US. That's about double what they had in the prior year. Um, so right now, with all those specs forming, the next question is what happens next? And they all have to find a merger target. And we are looking at almost 600 specs right now searching for an acquisition and another 250 specs in the pipeline. So it's going to be a big matchmaking frenzy. You know, you can imagine how somebody uh, might be trying to find a match and they have also a timeline to run against. So it could just turn out very badly or at least compromise some um, expectations when it comes to who they merge with because the supply of acquisitions may not meet the demand. So yeah. here's the equation we have right now in the US. Um, look at what's happening right now. SPACs on average last year, those that have listed have fallen 34% against their basic $10 a share price. So you are looking at already the market pricing in some um, I guess disappointment that could be coming. Um, so there is just too many specs in that sense. Mm. You might see some doing well, but it is going to be a game of winners and losers, even in a spec space. I want to bring it back to Singapore and ask whether we're at a different space in terms of our acceptance of specs. You know, I mean, the Bloomberg co-op-ed, thanks Wall Street, but we have enough specs now. Does that apply to Singapore or are there still plenty of tech deals to be made here? There is a case to say it might not apply to Singapore because where we are is a different time zone, different region. And this is where we have many startups also, you know, just flourishing in India, Southeast Asia. Many unicorns are rising up and this is where they start to think about going for a listing, getting an exit for investors. And if you think about the familiarity of the business model, someone here in the region mm. might be more familiar with how the company is run and might attract a better valuation in that sense. So the spec game here, I think, is too early days and you can't discount it yet. Um, and there is going to be retail interest in it still because for many retail investors in the region, they have a home bias and whatever's on their own exchange could see some support as well. And if you think about what's um, happening right now, it seems to be 
um, something people have been looking forward to for quite some time. I heard another interesting angle to this whole story on TV. An analyst was arguing that Singapore's SPAC listings might just lure companies away from the Hong Kong market. What do you think about that? There is a possibility if you look at how things are panning out in China in terms of the crackdown, right? And how Hong Kong has been positioned as a marketplace has been the China play. So that is a good and bad or double-edged sword, right? So Mm -hmm. if you go into China or Hong Kong markets, it's to tap on China. Uh, Conversely, if you want to tap into Southeast Asia or ex-US, outside of the US, you might think about Singapore as a easy stepping stone or jumping board into the rest of the region. So you have pros and cons for both markets. They have their own attractiveness, but there is that value that Singapore can offer in terms of maybe stability for some of the issuers out there to consider coming here instead of Hong Kong. All right, before we move on, let's turn to Vertex Technology or VTAC, the company that made history yesterday by becoming Singapore's first SPAC listing. So how did it do on its first day of trade, VTAC? Not bad. It's Mm. um, up 1% from its um, trading day, uh, its first trading day. So starting at $5 for its IPO price, it started the day at um, around, or ended the day at around 5.05 after reaching a high of 5.25. So that was, I guess, pretty successful for day one. And this is a company or spec that is targeting areas like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence and fintech. All right, time now for corporate headlines. OCBC has been making news for all the wrong reasons with a phishing scam that cost account holders $8 million occupying headlines for days. We talked yesterday about some of the policy changes being put into place in reaction to this scam. There is another reason, though, and a potentially more positive one for OCBC to be in the news. Bloomberg Intelligence, Ryan, took a closer look at the bank's books and found it has a lot of cash on hand. Just how much and how might OCBC use this cash? Yeah, so there are some expectations or speculation that OCBC might be splashing the cash in time to come because they are sitting on a huge cash pile. And going by Bloomberg Intelligence estimates, uh, that is between 5 billion and $7 billion in potential dry powder. And this is uh, something they are assuming that the bank will maintain its common equity tier one buffer in the range of 125 to 13.5%. So with that type of cash power, it could see them going for more acquisitions. And this has been the way the competitors, UOB and DBS, have been spending their cash. And if you look at what happened with UOB, they've been in headlines for buying Citigroup's for Southeast Asian country uh, markets for $4.9 billion. Um, DBS has also been making some acquisitions um, in the past 15 months in India and China. And most recently, they've been in the news for being the preferred bidder for assets in Taiwan as well. So that's seeing them trying to show up their ex- uh, expansion in the region. So OCBC could start to make some headway there once everything is sort of stabilised. All right, acquisition spree it is. Time for a quick game now of up or down. Are you ready? Let's go. Oh, this one was fun. JP Morgan Chase CEO, Jamie Dimon. That's an easy one. It's up because he is getting paid more. How much more? 10%. So he is going to be even richer. So this will bring it up to 34.5%. 
million dollars for mm-hmm. his work done in 2021. So that's almost 3.4 million dollars a month. That's at least $24 jillion more than I make a month. Uh, up and up, that's Jamie Diamond's salary. JP Morgan Chase has given Diamond a 10% pay rise. By the way, in case you're wondering what he earned last year, nearly $35 million US dollars last year. Not bad, eh? He's doing a good job because um, the bank had a record year. Mm, let's look at Sabana Reed. Okay, so if we look at what Sabana Reed is um, doing in the news, it is not that great because it recorded a 31.4% drop in its Second half DPU. So that is going to be a down for me for Zabana REIT. Yeah, down. At least its distribution to unit holders are off. Down more than 30% in the second half of 2021. All right, uh, next, Hong Kong hamsters. Yeah, it's been a down and up week for hamsters in Hong Kong. So they were down at first because they were planned to be culled by the government because they apparently um, triggered a COVID-19 alarm mm-hmm. that the pet shop there was exposed. So that all part of the zero COVID strategy to just make sure things are contained, right? So that was really causing a lot of um, distress to many pet lovers. So much so that now volunteers are stepping up to adopt the 2,000 hamsters from their end. So that Aww. is going to be up for me for hamsters for now. Up for you. I'm kind of sorry to put this one in here, but um, yeah, Hong Kong cult, 2,000 little cute, adorable hamsters amid concerns about COVID-19. But scientists say that while several Hong Kong hamsters did contract the disease, it is unlikely they can spread to humans. One last story to discuss before we take a look at local markets. Amazon is rolling out a brick and mortar clothing store and their approach to the changing room seems pretty high tech how so yeah so it's quite interesting how online has now gone offline so maybe amazon has a cash experiment so it is going to be different like you pointed out it's going to be its first style store so this is where it will feature women and men's apparel shoes and so on Mm -hmm. and i think it's a bit of a game for mind share so when people start to get um, used to the idea of buying clothes from Amazon, they could maybe think about Amazon the next time they buy clothes, maybe online or offline. So that is part of the game. And talking about a game-changing experience, so this is where it's going to be different. So it is going to be organized such that the inventory on display will only show maybe one or two display pieces. And then the rest of it, you have to shop online to browse. Um, so all this kept in the back end, maybe at a warehouse, at the back of the shop. And maybe they could even just mail it to you. You don't have to step out of the shop with all your shopping. So it's interesting in that fashion. And if you look at how the checkout is done, it's going to be using what's called Amazon One, which is a palm scanning system to pay for the checkout. So again, an ecosystem play to just make people more used to using Amazon Tech. I'm not sure I need an even easier way to pay for my shopping. Um, but think of the time that you'll save because you won't have to browse through the racks for the right size, M, S, L or whatever it is. But you can just order it online. So Amazon really trumping on technology to change the way we shop. Let's turn to Singapore now. We are 23 minutes 
minutes into the local trading day. It's 9.23. Good morning. The STI rose 0.3% yesterday to 32.94. That is the 10th time in 11 sessions that the STI has finished higher. So far, the blue chip index is up 5.5% since the beginning of the year. How's the STI trading this morning? Okay, let's take a quick look at where we are for the straight times index. And pretty much in line with the rest of the region. Down 0.2% right now. 3,288. And let's take a quick look at the composition of the 30 constituents. It's a bit of a split across the middle for red and green. Right at the bottom, Capital Land Invest down 1.1%. DBS down 0.8%. And followed by the likes of Yang Zhejiang Shipbuilding, UOB, Samcorp Industries, OCBC. So all three banks are in the red so far this morning. And looking at the top of the table, Comfort Delgro is up 1.4%. Followed by Sats, Jerry Matheson, SIA and Thai Beverage, uh, which is trading come dividend today, and Thai Beverage is up 1.5% so far. Uh, worth watching today, Singtel is in the news this morning. It filed with the SGX um, um, announcement that it is buying a stake in an Indonesian bank, and this is PT Pharma International, and this is part of its plans to pursue banking opportunities in Indonesia. So it's paid $48 million for an, an equity interest of 16.3% there. Worth noting, Grab is also an investor in Pharma Bank, and they, of course, have a digital banking joint venture and they have also applied for a license in Malaysia in July 2021. So a lot of um, interesting moves in banking for Singtel. Coming up, the OCBC scam. Could it happen again? Could it happen to you? That's what I discussed with my guest. He's chief editor of uh, the book AI Ethics and Governance, Body of Knowledge. That's coming up at 10.05. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.